Well, hey, good morning. How we doing? Don't you wish you could do that with an electric guitar? Or is that just me sitting in the front like, man, every guitar I've ever held has not done that. And I just wish, like, I just, I go to the music store. It's like, I try, it's like, this one's broken too. I just don't know what they do, man. They were awesome this morning. Anybody else disappointed that worship's over already? I'm like, ugh. Bring them back. So we're going to bring them back in just a little bit, but we're going to talk first. Uh, welcome. If you don't know me, if you don't know who I am, if you're watching online for the first time, I just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is David. I am on staff here at Frontline, and I'm really excited about the message that we get to, to talk through and study together today. Uh, but before we get into that, I, I want to ask you a question. And the question goes something like this. Have you ever noticed how little things can have a really big impact? I mean, I think that's more true today than it ever has been, maybe even in human history with things like the internet or social media. I mean, it's funny how little, tiny, sometimes even like really, really separate, like a one-time thing can actually blow up and become a huge fiasco. It can make big news. It can go all over the world. It's funny how little things can actually translate to have a really big impact. And so I wanted to ask you this. How many of you maybe in the room or watching online have ever seen one of these? This is a shooting star. You ever seen a shooting star? You ever see it and, and then like blink and look twice and like, did I really see it? Was that in my mind? Am I just, oh, there's another one. Then you really start questioning and you're like, was it really? The, the actual word for this is a meteoroid. Uh, and so I was, I was doing a little homework, like how big is a meteoroid actually? And if you're, follow me here. If you see something this big, what you probably would guess is it's not this big. Did you know that? That most meteoroids are actually formed by meteorites that are this size that you could hold in the palm of your hand, and most of them are anywhere between the size of a small pebble and a grain of sand. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Did you know you can buy a meteorite? This one's for sale. If you want to buy it, $1,700. <laughs> most of us would walk right past that and call it what? A rock. But it's for sale for $1,700 because it's from outer space, a rock. Did you know that? It's funny how such a small thing can make such a big impact in the sky. What about this? Here's a, another big one. Have you ever wondered, I mean, I think about stuff like this. Have you ever wondered how that thing floats? Like you think about that and you go, I get in the water, I sink. How does that float? And you look at a ship like this with shipping containers from all over the world. It crosses the ocean. It rides the waves up and down. How would you steer something that big? That's my question, I wonder. And you know what's funny about this picture? You can actually see it. A ship that size is actually steered by a rudder, teeny tiny, so we blew it up for you so you could see. That entire ship is guided by this one tiny but very significant piece. What about this? There's a lot of forest fires that are going on right now, uh, out in California especially. It's, you ever ask yourself the question, when you see something like this, I mean, just so, so blown up with fire and ashes and smoke billowing everywhere, isn't it funny, because you all know this, you've heard this before, right? The big bear that says, put your campfires out. That can be started by that. Isn't that crazy? That something so big, so wild, so destructive, so out of control can start with a match. Even before that, it starts with a spark. What about this? I want to ask this question. How do you start a war? How do you start a war? What about this one? How do you incite a riot? How do you destroy a marriage? How do you cause some of the greatest despair you could ever even fathom? 
What if I told you that every single one of these drastic, big, monumental, I mean, we're talking wars, we're talking divorce, we're talking despair and anxiety and depression, we're, ta- we're talking about uh, riots. You ever wonder what starts these? What if I told you it, you can actually trace all of them back to the same very small thing? What if I told you you can start all these with your words? Isn't that crazy? How we use our words, how we spend them, how we choose them has such an important impact in our world because this, our world is shaped by the words we use and the words that others use. That's why they're so dangerous. That the words we choose, the the very specific words we use to talk to our spouse and our kids and post online and our boss and, and those who report to us, the way we choose to relate to our neighbors or our extended families, whatever it is, the words that we choose actually shape the world that we tend to live in. And depending on your level of influence, it depends, it can also shape the world that others live in as well. We all know different positions, whether it's government or business or nonprofits or churches or families, whatever. Different people have a different weight that is attached to their words. And we have the power to build and create such amazing, amazing worlds. Or we have the power to destroy them. So my question for you this morning, one of them is this. How do you use your words? How do you use your words? Because the foundation for almost everything we do is our words. I think our words are the most powerful tool that God has given us. But used wrongly, it can also be the most destructive. So we're going to jump into our text today. I'm really excited to get into it. It's going to be James chapter 3. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn maybe here in the room or watch it online. Uh, We're also going to have words on the screen. So check this out. James chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the, the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Let's keep reading. When we or consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Welcome to church this morning. I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement just as you leave and you can just walk around and go, my tongue is set on fire by hell itself. But isn't that funny? That's the reality that James depicts for us. He says, here's the thing. We often forget this, that our tongue cannot be trusted. And, and how I would maybe translate that to today's world, neither can our fingers. That we have the ability, we have the capability so quickly to respond and retort and to say and to spend. We, we, we have the ability to change people's lives with mere words that we choose on a whim. And what James is reminding us is that you, you can't trust your tongue. 
because it's corrupt. It, it, it moves ahead of you like a ship, like this giant massive ship, this tiny little rudder can determine the course that it's going to go wherever the pilot wants to go. The same is true of your tongue. It, it's this big life, this big influence, this big position, whatever your life looks like, whatever your context, you have the ability to dictate and to spend and to choose and to breathe life or death grace or condemnation into every environment you're in. And that's why he says, the words we choose are so important. I can't think of something more destructive for humanity than our words. Think about this. What words have been spoken that caused divorce, dropouts, infidelity, Addictions, doubts, quarrels, divisions, and war. I mean, few of us would disagree that there's anything more powerful than that. Let's keep reading. James chapter 3, verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Again, just the word of encouragement. I just want to remind you, not only is your tongue set on fire by hell, but you can't do anything about it. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I'm kidding about that, by the way. We're going to get there in a second. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. I read this one. I just thought, like, from the south, someone would say, you kiss your mom with that mouth? I mean, that's kind of what James is saying. He's like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding? You worship God, the worship that we just did this morning. The worship that we just participated in, the worship that we just offered back to God. I love that, that 10,000 reasons. Right? I, I just bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you with my words. I bless you with the words I choose to say to you and to speak to you and to worship to you. With that same tongue, we curse human beings. We curse other people who look just like us, more importantly, who look just like God because they're created or created them in his image. Go back here, one. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. Here's what James says. This should not be. What are we to do? I mean, I was excited to jump into this topic, but then also when presented with texts like this, you go, God, what are we supposed to do? If you look at our world, you look at the destruction, you look at things like Twitter or Facebook or, or other social media, you look at the news, you look at, at whatever it is, people, our world uses words to destroy, to create fear, to create chaos, to create havoc. It, it uses words to drive people, to manipulate people. Our world uses words in a very destructive way. So what is the purpose that God has given the church to use their words for. What has he created us? He gave us this tool that can be so destructive in the wrong hands, but also so powerful in the right hands. What are we to do with that? You remember this kid's rhyme growing up? I hated this one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What knucklehead wrote that? I mean, did you ever think about that even as a kid? 
I mean, here, here's what's funny. Sometimes I get to share a little bit of my experience, what it's like as a pastor. I don't often, like, I want you to understand, I have spent so much time with different people, many of you in this room, who have decades upon decades upon decades of woundedness, who have blown up lives and been divorced multiple times, or they're spending time in prison or in jail. They've lost their jobs. They're homeless. They're place to place, relationship to relationship. And you know what? Not one of them has said, you know, all of this comes from this one time that I broke my arm in second grade. Do you know what most people say? It's, it's finally like when you get to the realization, you know what most people share? When you start digging and, and peeling back the layers like an onion and you get deeper and deeper and deeper, you find out it's usually the words that were spoken to them as a child. The words of someone important, the words of someone influential, the words of someone who is there to protect or to provide or to care for, the words that were spoken that did such damage, it wreaked havoc on their lives for decades to come. Or here's the other side, words that should have been spoken never were. Sometimes it's as simple as, as I love you. I'm here for you. I'm proud of you. This isn't your fault. Sometimes I think the lack of even such words does so much damage. And in my role, often I'm sitting with people across, whether it's in a restaurant or whether it's in my office or in a counseling room, and, and you just hear people share story after story after story. And so I just, the reason I share that with you today is this, your words carry so much weight and it has nothing to do with your position. It has nothing to do with your job but everything to do with who God created you to be in the context in which he has placed you. Your words carry so much weight. So what will you do with them? I wanna ask this question. This is the, the primary focus of our time today. What is God's desire for our words? What is God's desire for our words? To do that, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And, and he's just at the top of this in chapter 4. It's actually my favorite verse. It's my life verse in the whole Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul is writing and he says, As prisoners for the Lord, then I urge you, brothers and sisters, to live a life that is worthy of the call that you have received. To live a life that is worthy, like he, God gave us the ability, he gave us the opportunity to live our lives in a manner that matches the calling that he has given us as individuals and also as the church. And so later in this chapter, Paul is speaking and he's speaking about the words that the Ephesian church, these people, average ordinary people like you and me, speaking into a context of Ephesus. And Ephesus, before we read it, Ephesus is a lot like the United States of America. So... 2,000 years ago or, or a little bit less than that, Ephesus was like a world leader. It was a global area of commerce. There, there was great education. There was great wealth. I mean, it, it was such a, an established city that was so far beyond what so many other cities around them. They, they lived in a very, very, very progressive culture. And so Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus about how to use their words in that type of culture. And that's why we're reading it today because we have the same thing. He says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Isn't it funny how he says that? Notice he doesn't say don't swear. 
Don't use bad words. Don't, don't, don't tear others down. He, he literally says, here's a giant category of words in the English language, right? And this time it wouldn't be English, but let, let's talk. Here's a giant category of words in the English language. Don't, don't even, don't let these come out of your mouth. Doesn't matter if you're in, in private, it's just you talking out loud in the car. It doesn't matter if you're with your family. Doesn't matter if you're online. Doesn't matter if you're at work. Does it, he just says, don't let any unwholesome. What is unwholesome? Not whole, not good, not life-giving, not, not, not breath-giving, whatever. Paul says, do not let anything that is negative or unwholesome come out of your mouth. But only, here's what he gives us, what is helpful for building others up according to their, say it with me, needs. Something marriage will teach you is that not everybody has your needs. Amen? For all the married people, they're nervous. I don't know. Can I say amen to that? I'm not sure. Honey, yes, no? Shannon has very different needs than I have. I have very different needs than Shannon has. You all have very different needs that I have. What Paul is saying is when we choose our words, we actually choose them with the recipient in mind. According to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our words have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you hear the weight that they carry? I mean, it's such a significant power. I'm just saying, don't, I'm at work. I am moving through my Holy Spirit. I'm cultivating hearts that I'm going after, that I'm, I'm allowing you to be a part of. Part of your calling is to reach other people with my gospel. That's why don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only things that are good, that build each other up, because you can grieve me. You can grieve the work that I am doing for their benefit. If we're on the same team, let's act like it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Those are the words that he offered. And I, I'm just going to tell you, I read that and I went, the only way I'm going to accomplish that is if I never speak again. Anybody else? You go, that's impossible. It's impossible. Have you seen our world? Have you seen the leaders on the global stage recently? Have you seen the leaders on national stage, state stage? What about, what about this stage? There are so many people that have been hurt on a church platform stage. How am I supposed to not speak when I see some, some injustice, when I see some brokenness, when I see some pain, when I see things that are wrong? How, how am I not supposed to speak or say something or post something or share something or just get it out? Some, how in the world am I supposed to do that? You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm going to quote somebody I've never quoted before. I'm going to quote Uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Who <laughs> I just love this line. You remember what he says when he, he's looking at, at his nephew, Peter, and he says this, with great power comes great what? Responsibility. What God is gifting us is a responsibility to speak. And when we speak, we don't, we don't speak on our behalf. 
we actually speak on his. And is there a time to speak up against injustice? Absolutely. But in a very wholesome way. This is led and driven and provided by the Holy Spirit. Is there a time to speak into brokenness? Absolutely. But in a wholesome way that is driven and provided for by the Holy Spirit. Is there a time that, that you can be frustrated or a time that you can be angry or a time that you can be upset? It's going to happen. But what he's encouraging us to do is this. Have your listeners in mind. Because when you speak, people don't just hear you. People hear me. It's so important for us to remember. You know, the most powerful tool God has given us is our words. I mean, I spent a lot of time on this this week trying to think of what is more powerful. You know, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit, but we, we don't own that. We don't, we don't control that. But the most powerful thing I think he gives us is our words. We can choose how we use these. So I want to ask this question. What have your words created? I just want to look back on our lives here for a little bit. Maybe look, if that's too long, if you're like, I don't remember. I don't remember what I said this morning. Let's just take a second here, and I'm going to give you some categories to say what, if you look at your life through this particular lens, what have your words created? How about your marriage? What have your words created in your marriage? What have your words created in your family? Maybe this goes up towards parents. Maybe this goes down towards children. Maybe this goes horizontal towards siblings, in-laws, extended family members. What have your words created in your family? What about this in your workplace? When you show up, what are you known for? This is so funny. This is stuff you just can't plan. <laughs> uh, Jesse and I are sitting up front here at the beginning, right before we're about to start, and this is like my worst nightmare, okay? Uh, I wear a microphone, and sometimes I forget to turn it off. <laughs> of course it happened today. So I'm sitting there talking to Jesse, and then I'm like, why isn't the band starting? The band's supposed to start right now. And, and Corey walks over, and Jesse points at him, and Corey goes, your mic's on, and it's in all of our ears. I go, how long has that been going on? Like, you immediately start going back and go, what did I say? I hope it was good. I hope it was wholesome. I hope it was, it was providing, like, building each other up, I hope. Isn't that horrible? Just pause on that one. What have your words created in your workplace? What are you known for saying? What can people expect you to say? How about this one? Uh, in your school? There's a lot of kids right now who often forget the, the weight of their words. What about your kids? What about your grandkids? What, what are they sharing? Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're an administrator. Maybe you're a bus driver or a substitute teacher. What, what words are you using? What, what are they creating? A couple other ones. What about in your neighborhood? Next to the people you live with or next to? Uh, and then this last one, y'all knew this one was coming. What about on social media? What are your words creating? Because what's so funny about words, and it's also so frustrating, is we all know the impact when we read them, 
when they're said to us, when they're spoken to us, we all know what it feels like. But few of us think, what would this feel like or how could this feel on the other side when I write them, when I speak them? I was reading a, a post on social media a week ago and uh, this person I, I was friends with maybe 10 years ago. Um, we only had a couple conversations, but you know, one of those, like you just add on Facebook and then for some reason you just creep on their lives for the next 10 years. You never talk, you never reach out, you only have phone numbers, but you just watch. And, and this person posted a very long post and it was so, I mean, it was just, it was obscene, it was accusatory, it was judgmental. I mean, it was just, it was so direct. I mean, to the point that I was reading it and I was just feeling like, you are intending to do damage with your words, but, but someone who you, I would never be on his radar. It's hurting. It's hurting. We often realize the weight of our words when we receive them, but we forget when we send them. So let me ask you this question then. If you've looked back like I have and you go, well, this message stinks because now I just feel horrible. You know, my words have not created good things. They've not created good worlds. They've not created good environments. I'm feeling guilty. Let me, let me ask you this question. Let's change it up a little bit. What could your words create? Words, it's like an infinite resource. You ever think about that? It's like a superpower. You never run out. What, what could your words create? What type of worlds, what type of marriages, what type of families, what type of kids or grandparents or parents or siblings? What, what type of environments could you create if your words reflected that of our Heavenly Father? What could you create? I think there's no better example than Jesus. I just, as I was thinking about his life and I was thinking about his ministry, he was so good with words, we read them still 2,000 years later. Think about that. It's the best-selling book in history. He, he was so masterful with words. Here's some of the things he did with his words. He preached about the kingdom of God. He pointed people and his disciples to a greater calling than the conflict and quarrels that were in front of them. He said, don't, don't get distracted here. Keep an eye here. This, this should be your focus. He talked about God the Father in his relationship with him. He talked about God the Holy Spirit and how to live in the Spirit. He spoke healing over people. He commanded demons to leave. He challenged and taught and corrected and encouraged and blessed thousands with his words. And then this was so ironic. And then here he is towards the end of his ministry. He's dragged before the religious leaders and the Roman authorities. He's dragged before them and in front of some of the most powerful people of his day and age, he says almost nothing. Why? Why would Jesus say nothing in front of the most important, influential people in his known world when he's got a ministry, a career of three and a half years of just making an impact eternally for the kingdom. Why would he say almost nothing? And our answer comes out of John chapter 12. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. For I did not speak on my own, 
But the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Isn't that amazing? That King Jesus himself would not say anything that was out of step with his heavenly Father. What about us? What worlds could we create? What relationships could we create? What context could we, could we speak life into if we spoke on our heavenly Father's behalf like Jesus did versus our own? Think about the good we could do. Think about the relationships that could be healed. Think about the marriages that could be restored. Think about the work environments that could be led to Christ. Think, I mean, it's just that possibilities are endless. Because if we speak on his behalf, we can change everything. Because it's not our words. It's not our words. It's his. I was reminded uh, this last week of the power of the words of a father. Um, I haven't shared a lot about my relationship with my dad, even growing up, but uh, there were certainly some, some really rocky areas in our relationship. Uh, and just my dad's a pastor, and so there, there's some, some distance there even because a lot of my growing up, the way that I saw God was through him, and so if I was struggling with him, I was definitely struggling with God. I mean, for years and years and years, and just did a lot of, a lot of damage, but... Man, I have worked hard to try and restore this relationship that I have with him. And so this last weekend, we got to celebrate Judah's birthday. We met outside at a park and got together. And, and I was watching my dad interact with my son and then with my siblings and my mom and, and me. And so I, I shot him a quick text. And I just said, hey, it was really good to see you and, you know, proud of you, love you. And, and then he sent me a text back. And it's one of the most treasured texts I've ever received. But he, he took his influence, his position, his authority, and then he said to me what he's been thinking or feeling in his heart. I mean, just, David, I'm proud of you. David, I love you. I love the man that you're becoming. I love the man that you've turned into. I, I just, I see this in you and I'm proud of you. And I just, I want you to know that. I mean, as I read the text, my initial thought was, he just chose his words so carefully. And you know what's also true about our Heavenly Father is he does the exact same thing. Our Heavenly Father chooses to inspire. He chooses to motivate. He chooses to give grace. He chooses to speak truth. Everything he says is out of love. I mean, what we sing in this place over and over and over, our, our God is a good father. So that when he speaks, we can hear it from the right position that he should have in our lives as, as king, as father, as friend, as counselor. You know, for many years, I didn't, I didn't get that text from my dad. And I think a lot of you maybe in this room may be in that same spot. 
that you, you maybe didn't get that or maybe now it's too far, like you, you won't get that. Maybe some of you have longed for that. Maybe it's from your dad, maybe it's from your mom, maybe it's from a spouse, maybe it's from kids or grandparents or significant people in your life. Man, I hope and I pray that all of you get to experience what that is like. But here's what I, I, I didn't come to tell you a story about what my dad said to me. What I came to tell you is, is what my heavenly father said to me. It's the same thing. And he promises that he will do the exact same thing for you. That your heavenly father loves you. That he's proud of you. That there's grace for you. That shame and guilt and condemnation, they don't get the final word. Heck, death doesn't even get the final word. He does. He says, I love you and I chose you. You are mine. And in me, you can find what you can't get anywhere else. Just like that song we say, he turns graves into gardens, a place of death to a place of life. He has extended us the same invitation to represent him to the graves of our world. If you're a parent in the room, Can I just encourage you? Would you please speak the words of life that your kids need to hear? If you're a boss, would you please speak the words of life that those who report to you need to hear? Friends, neighbors, family family members, mentors, I mean, whatever position you carry, Can I just encourage you, speak, speak life. Speak on behalf of your heavenly father to a world that so desperately needs it. Here's the last thing I'd say. In a world that's ridden right now with fear, in a world that's ridden right now with anger, with rage, riots and wars, bitterness, terror, disease, in a world that is just consumed with things that lead to destruction. Would you speak on your heavenly father's behalf in the context that he's gifted you and speak life? Because our world needs it now from you more than ever before. We often know that the world is watching us as a church they're listening to. Father, I just pray for every single person in this room right now, every person that's watching online, every person that's listening later. Father, I just pray for them right now. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would stir and move inside of them, that you would give them and make clear to them what the context is that you are calling them to step into and to speak, not on their behalf, but on your behalf. Father, I pray that all of us would choose our words so carefully as we discern the words you are giving us. I pray we wouldn't step out of line. I pray that we wouldn't step ahead. I pray that just like Jesus who submitted himself to the will of the Father, Lord, I I pray that we would do the same thing. I pray that you just give us your Holy Spirit I pray that, that he just consumes us inside of us, that, he, that as we speak, we just speak on behalf of him. 
words of life and encouragement, things that are wholesome, things that, that build each other up. I pray for the marriages right now that are struggling because of words that have been said. Father, change the tone with the words. Pray for people who are struggling right now, who are lost, who are fearful, who are worried, who are, who are afraid for their families, who are afraid because of COVID, who are afraid for themselves. I pray, Father, that through your words, others would have the courage and the boldness to speak to them on your behalf. I pray for the wisdom that only the Holy Spirit can provide. Father, I pray for, for a, a heart and a level of obedience for every single person in this room, myself included. Give us a desire to submit ourselves to you in all that we do so that you might use us despite our brokenness, despite our sin, despite what we've done that's created damage. I pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, you would use us as an agent of change, as an agent of salvation for your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and we pray this all right now in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said together.